Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Captain Marvel Podcast. I'm your host, Harlan Dante, and joining me today, we have an excellent, excellent guest. Uh, Lori Hyrup. Hey, Lori. Uh, again, thank you for coming back on the podcast. I know this has been a long time coming, and there's been a few uh, dropouts on my on, on my end. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, I guess we'll get right into it. Um, you are you're definitely a longtime uh, Carol fan. I guess Absolutely. I, just, I guess I just wanted to know uh, how you first learned or found out about Carol. Uh, I learned about her completely on accident, but it was a long, long time ago. Um, in fact, it was 1979. I was five years old. Um, I lived in a small town where we uh, I went fishing all the time and stuff. And there was it was now an old issue, but it was the first issue of Miss Marvel number one in this bait and tackle shop. <laughs> and it wow. was used and uh and okay. i picked it yeah it, well yeah it was you know back then a lot of people didn't understand what the value of comics were or mm -hmm. you know families would say oh i'm cleaning out the house and so i'm you know getting rid of this stuff and uh, especially in in a small town things get resold quite often mm -hmm. and so literally I found the first issue as a hand-me-down and I read it and I, back then in year five, there's, there's no political agenda. It was just, wow, there's a woman and she's cool and she's beating up people. And <laughs> I had, you know, I was aware of Wonder Woman at the time, you know, I'd seen her TV show and, you know, saw Super Friends and things like that. And so this was new and it was the first time. So I hadn't read Wonder Woman comics. I only knew her via, you know, visual medium. And so reading a woman, for me, she was just a girl <laughs> reading her, uh, in, a, uh, in a comic book. It was like, wow. I want to be like her. And in fact, there was a little girl on there going, mommy, you know, there's, there's a, there's a woman over there beating up bad guys. I want to be like her. And I was that little girl kind of in reading that. And so that's where I started. And I didn't have much money growing up. And so my reading consistency varied to whenever I can get my hands on a copy. And I'm quite often, they were other people's, you know, editions or, uh, you know, what I could occasionally find because my hometown, there was no local common shop, uh, comic book shop. There still does not exist a local comic book store anywhere in my hometown. Wow. So, and, uh, but yeah, that was, that was the start. And I've pretty much read everything she's ever been in. Wow. That so completely by chance, just kind of, she just kind of popped into your life. That's amazing. Yeah. And interestingly enough, you know, she kind of, shaped who I would become in, in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up, I was a very much a tomboy. You know, I didn't wear, go around barefoot in, you know, cut off jeans with a fishing pole on my shoulder. <laughs> you know, I played baseball starting at five years, starting at that age through, I played it for 10 years and I was the only girl in the league for all 10 years. So oh, she certainly wow. had an impact on that. So <laughs> I say, yeah, you, I guess, uh, you were in a relatively small town, right? Yeah. Did, did that particularly turn heads or? Uh, oddly enough, no. Um, maybe because it was a small town, everyone just knew me. Oh, that's Lori. That's what she does. <laughs> She's cool. And, you know, occasionally the boys would 
they wouldn't necessarily tease me because they were afraid of me. <laughs> and um, they did have some nicknames that I didn't understand what the words meant until much later. Um, and that was a good thing. But um, but they did make it because in, in order for a girl to be taken seriously, I had to be better than they were. And so I was continuously trying to be better than they were. <laughs> and over the years, they just kind of accepted that's who I was. Well, now, occasionally yeah. they would make jokes of wearing male protective gear when playing baseball, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but, you know, they otherwise, but they otherwise respected me for, you know, that I was just me. Well, that's, that is like an amazing parallel between you and Carol's story, like with her gr uh, growing up, uh, in her home life and then going to the, into the air force. Well, yeah, and exactly. I actually did something very similar. I didn't join the Air Force. Now, the funny thing is I had considered it. Um, I didn't think I could actually tolerate people yelling in my face. <laughs> so I thought I was going <laughs> to talk back to them too much. And I thought I was just going to get in trouble. I was a perfectionist and I wanted to get you know the best grades that you know, do the best at everything I could. Um, when I turned 18, um, I didn't really have the best home life. I left home uh, as soon as I graduated and paid my and worked my way through college and I played college softball and stuff like that. Um, but I kind of did my own thing and just like Carol had my own personal separation with my family. All right. So ever since, uh, I guess issue one, you've been, uh, scrounging up, uh, I guess every issue she's appeared in or other stories Pretty. that she's, uh, yeah, I guess she was in, she was in Avengers and X-Men after that. Well, yeah, I mean, she well, actually, she, Yes. So she did a lot of her own stuff for many years. Mm. She was then tangentially related to the Avengers, but she took a while for her to actually decide to join. Um, and so then she was working with them for a while and then bad things happened to her. And then she kind of hooked up with the X-Men for a while. Oh, um, oh, yeah. So yeah, when, when Kaiser was on, we, we briefly mentioned it, but Avengers 200 is... Just kind of it, it is the absolute worst story that I've ever read in a mainstream comic. Yeah, it, it, it is like absolute. I'm, I'm trying not to be colorful with my language, but if, if I did have a, with those words, it'd be reserved for that particular comic. Exactly. Um, and that was almost the epitome of what kind of how women were seen just in a medium as a hero they weren't quite taken seriously so they thought well you know whoever the you know i can't even remember the writer was because i had kind of blotted out of my memory um but they just kind of use it for this random plot device and it wasn't a good story it didn't make sense and you just completely abuse this character it was just horrible and in their minds they were seeing it as oh this is a way for her to exit permanently and it's going to be a happy ending i don't know how they and i don't know in what world that they actually believe that, but. And uh, then, no, the, the, the crazy thing is then the Avengers annual 10 um, is absolutely her best monologue of, you know, the comeback of that story. <laughs> you know, when she kind of dresses down the Avengers, like nobody spoke up, nobody tried to stop her. No one said, Hey, why are you pregnant in three days? Oh, you know, no one, no one stopped her. Um, and that was, that's one of the most beautiful monologues that I've ever read. Uh, from her or anyone else and you know at the end of that issue 
all the Avengers were kind of hanging their heads, walking away, you know, <laughs> like I, we can't have nothing to say to that. Cause yeah. And cause, so, cause it wasn't just the writer. It got past the editors. It got past everybody. Every, and nobody yeah, called it made them. it to, it made it to the shelves. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I, I wasn't around at that time, but, uh, reading back, <laughs> just reading, reading back and my, like, my, like my mouth is a gate. My jaw is like on the floor, just reading about this particular instance that happened and as, as as far as I could read, it seemed like there was enough substantial, meaningful backlash that that what that ended up course correcting, which was uh, that was at least I was glad to hear that uh, people were still very vocal about their displeasure in that back in the day. Yeah, they were. And in anybody who was just a decent person, right. I mean, the character was well liked enough that i mean she did have a following it's not what the followings are these days we don't have social media and stuff back then but mm-hmm. um they, they they still acknowledge her as a, as a good character and so they just i don't know if they, the original writer had some sort of a vendetta against her character or whatever but it's like oh i'm getting rid of her and then they're like well, no, 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 we need to bring her back. We just, we, we did a horrible thing. And then there's people who really like her, so let's get her back. Um, and so they did really well with bringing her back. And now the funny, so the one small shining star that came out of that whole thing is that without that having happened, Rogue would never have been introduced. Rogue? Rogue, yes. Oh, wow. So Rogue was introduced as a plot device to for Mystique to attack Carol on that Avengers annual. What if that crazy storyline in Avengers 200 never happened? That wouldn't have been necessary. Right. Uh, like I said, if that hadn't happened, she might have just continued uh, to be sidelined as like Scarlet Witch or something, but I'm not sure. Who, uh, who Carol? Yeah. Possibly, because uh, she was a uh, she she was a guest in that book, correct? Or yeah, she was always kind of a, a guest character for a long time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you've definitely been along for all the highs and lows for uh, that Carol has experienced, especially because thinking, yeah, over yeah, she her comic like her solo comic has been is forty one years old now, mm-hmm. and there's definitely been a few ups and downs for Carol. That, uh, that I guess you've witnessed, like also in the '90s when she was uh, she wasn't around for a bit because of Rogue. Exactly, and well, because of that, I don't know how much of the X Men side of the story that you read, or whether or not you've read it. She um, so after the incident with Rogue and Avengers Annual Annual Ten. Um, she leaves with the X-Men to take care of some Shi'ar business off the planet. So she goes away with them because she just needs to get away from everybody. And that was her, her, her thing. Um, and then during that, she was with the X-Men for several issues. And that's when they get abducted by the brood. That's when they experiment on her. That's mm-hmm. where she eventually becomes binary. Right. Then she goes off even farther, joins you know the uh, Starjammers, mm-hmm. and you know has a whole different... Exploration adventure, so to speak. And I guess uh, she's had a couple res- like resurgences in the last, I guess, uh, fifteen years. Like there was the first one in the two thousands when she came out with her solo solo series and led the Mighty Avengers. Like, were you reading mm-hmm. at the time? Mm-hmm. 
Like I said, I've read everything that she's been in. <laughs> and so, yeah, so the, after the whole thing becoming binary, she comes back, she loses you know, her powers. Now, people always thought, well, she, she lost her powers uh, for being binary, but that's not actually what happened. She just didn't have her connection to the white hole that gave her that ability or gave her the amount of power that she needed to become binary. She's always had it. She's never stopped being that um, since she's returned. And um, and so she went through her whole bout of alcoholism. Now, the thing is, a lot of characters, you don't get to see the whole personal self-doubt struggle side of who they are trying to find their own identity. And so that's something, it was painful for me to read that story, mm-hmm. but I felt it. And I had families that struggled with, you know, alcohol and drugs and it, it, things of that nature and so i understood what she was going through and that she kind of needed to find herself and in doing that you know it, it came to a head when iron man was trying to help her because he was also an alcoholic right and she basically kicks him through a jetliner which then endangers <laughs> all the passengers on the plane and you know she helps save the plane eventually but doesn't remember what happened she blacked out and that's when she decided she finally needed to get help and not only did she decide to get help but she actually then outed herself as ms marvel at that point and before that she had a secret identity but she said you know what i need to take responsibility for my actions you know what i did was horrible and so that's what she did and this is why in a lot of people like to disparage against like civil war one of who was on what side were registration not registration she was for the registration and i'm pretty sure it was because of her prior experience of going you know what i have these superpowers i need to be accountable i'm putting people in danger if these things go wrong and i think she was in favor of people you know taking responsibility for having these powers <clears throat> right because uh, i didn't actually i didn't start reading marvel comics like consistently until uh, like 2010, but uh, the the first Marvel comic that I read on like story that I read all the mm-hmm. way through was the original Civil War comic. Mm-hmm. And while it it left, uh, <laughs> it left <laughs> it, it was a little harsh. It left an impact, not a positive impact. I did read a few of the tie-ins, one of which being Carol's, and hers was way more intriguing and enjoyed it way more than the the actual storyline or the main storyline. Now, the interesting thing about Carol, and it's pretty, even though the writers do different things with her, depending on who's writing, one of the things they all all kind of come back to is that she makes mistakes. She's not perfect. And I think that's why I like her, because we all make mistakes. But when she realizes that she's made a mistake, she does whatever she can to fix the problem. So in that case, and a lot of people had issue with, you know, her taking Julia away from her daughter. Julia Carpenter. And um, at the very end, she made it, she couldn't completely rectify what she had done, but she made the best of the situation by reuniting them and then giving them a place that they could go. It wasn't the perfect solution, but it was the best that she can offer and to make amends for what she did, even though she was following what she believed was necessary you know, by law. I would say uh, Carol's definitely been put through the ringer by different writers uh, over the years, kind of like a cycle of either the writer, something happens to her 
and then she uh, needs to needs to uh, find the strength to process that, or the the writers make her do something which she needs to make amends for. Yeah, definitely. And I guess I, in 2012, with the whole rebranding and resurgence of Captain Marvel, and very shortly after even being taking on the mantle of Captain Marvel, her movie was announced. And now there's a huge, obviously huge, huge boom and resurgence, and now influx of uh, influx of new Carol Core members. And I get, are you are you really excited to that all these people are finally starting to learn about her? Oh, absolutely. And then and, and people are like, I didn't never, I don't know who this character is. I'm looking her up. Oh, now I'm reading her. Which which I have people asking me, where do I start? What do I look at? <laughs> and you know, people who just didn't know i mean a lot of people who are not comic book readers get their information about the superheroes usually via cartoons or movies right um a lot of us grew up with cartoons and so that's the first place we see them and you know dc has done an excellent job of reiterating their star you know justice league players you know mm-hmm. wonder woman has been in the cartoons for 30 40 years right um as well as Superman and Batman and all those, but as a, as a female character, she's been there. And she that means she's always in people's mind. Carol hasn't really had that level of exposure, and a lot of the female characters Marvel didn't. The only Marvel female character who's ever had an animated series is Spider-Woman, and that was in the 70s. Wow. So- <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even know that, actually. Yep, you know, who ends up being Carol's best friend. Right. So. Yeah, she's the one who saves her after the Rogue incident. Mm-hmm. And that's where they become best friends. And uh, after all these uh, years of comics and different comic storylines, do you have a uh, a particular run or store or arc that you have a real attachment to, or, or like have a um, favorite? There are a few in the Kelly Sue run that are just really um, they they really speak to me. Um, there's the uh, the story arc that starts off her 2012 arc, um, basically has Carol going back in time and has a chance to change whether or not she wanted to become Captain Marvel or, or get her powers originally. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of goes through this and she's thinking about it. And then her mentor her, her inspiration, the person that, you know, who inspired her to want to become a pilot and stuff was there with her and through an almost an antagonistic prodding um, gets Carol to decide, you're like, you know what? I want this and this is what I'm <laughs> going to be. And, and now no one's going to stop me. And so all that self-doubt went away, but she had to kind of, she made herself fight for it. And so I really love that. I would say, um, go ahead. Oh, so yeah, Kel, we owe yeah pretty much everything nowadays. We owe to Kelly Sue because she she truly is responsible for, I guess, the path we're on today. And she she did such an exceptional job with her first uh, three runs of uh, Captain Marvel. Absolutely, uh, and, we, and we have to thank her like every day for it. I'm pretty sure there wouldn't be this movie if it wasn't for what she's did. She's done for the mm-hmm. the character. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, the, that going back in time arc with the ban- with the Banshee Squad and having to fight a younger Helen Cobb, that was <laughs> that was a really really f- amazing story. And then also when she was in Avengers Assemble, uh, the Enemy Within line, which was a yeah, a, that's a, my a, other magni- favorite magnificent culmination of her entire history, brought into one and and really just boiled down to like 
who Carol is. And she ends up, like, I guess losing herself, but it, it, she proves who she is. Exactly. And there are several moments where you know, she's obvi- uh, often on the outs of a situation. She usually gets knocked down more than other characters <laughs> seem to get knocked down. And she has to fight and claw whatever to get back up. And... And she does that time and again. And so, yeah, she did that in Enemy Within. She's done that even recently with Civil War II, which kind of gave her a bad name outwardly to other fans. That's um, it. Uh, Civil War II, <laughs> uh, is, it's another one I'm not, I'm not super fond of. But, like, her, uh, her solo tie-in issues were handled very, very well. Exactly. Well, that's that's the problem with Civil War Two. So you have these events that are written as an event by a different creator that is not the shepherd of that character. Right. So they were bringing her in, um, but you needed to read her tie-ins to get her point of view and why she was doing what she was doing. If you didn't read that, she did look fascist. <laughs> so yeah. you you got this wrong impression of her. Um, you know, what a lot of people didn't see in there was that she had just witnessed an entire town killed because she didn't get there in time. And that was right before the Civil War II stuff, you know, mm-hmm. happened. And so now she was like, okay, superheroes are a type of soldier. They, their responsibility is to save civilians. And that's what I'm going to do. And so she was going to use every tool available to save as many civilians as possible. But the way it was written... Um, and the way it was broken up into these pieces, you on the the event side of that, all you saw her is like, okay, I'm gonna arrest these people <laughs> for crimes they haven't committed yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but what I mean by you know now she's currently or has recently had to claw her way out of that perception um, from right. other people. <clears throat> uh, there was people like saying, well, I don't I don't like her anymore because of, you know the story. Um, so that is a different type of fight that she's you know, that, uh, that Margie has been having to write. I was to say, um, uh, Margaret Stoll is, has, was, uh, put in, put in an unenviable position from the very, very start. And yeah, like, that... but I say, uh, un- like, uh, civil war really did not. Uh, Cause like in the main story, it, I feel like did not, it did not represent her well at, at all. And basically depending whose tie in, or which issue you were reading, uh, the way Carol acted, or what her belief system was, like varied greatly. It need, she she was whoever that writer that day needed her to be, and that really did a, did did uh, her character a disservice during that event. Yeah, I agree. So anybody that knows anything about that character knows that she wouldn't have walked up to somebody who hadn't yet committed a crime and said, "You're under arrest." She would never have done that. Right. That's just not how she acts. I want to say. Because they were using, because the way they were using the uh, the fortune teller, the site, the guy who could see the future, mm-hmm. it wasn't to uh, arrest people before it happened. Because they were they were essentially using him as an informant for like sting operations, as it makes more sense to do. Like, wait, if they start if they start committing the crime and perpetrating it, then that's when we stop them. But then, depending whose issue it was, she was just go. She was just like arresting people like weeks beforehand. Yeah. And in one of them, she says you're under arrest. She would never do that. That's just not her character. Right. She has more compassion than that. And she has more sympathy and empathy for another person's perspective. She would have said something like, 
okay, we have this information. We need you to just come with us to, you know, lay low for a little bit. You know, you're not, you're not in trouble for anything. Uh, instead of saying you're under arrest and we're going to put you behind bars and all this stuff. Um, so I was to say that was an event that, that permeated just about every single book I was reading at the time. And, uh, it just it it left a bad taste in my mouth overall. It did, and I think it left a bad taste in general about events. Mm-hmm. Um, again, because you felt like you, especially if you're a Carol fan, you had to read every single book, and she was in every single book that came out mm-hmm. just to follow what she was doing. Um, and she had four books going at that time. Um, so that's right, because she had. Um... She was in A Force yeah, and in Ultimates too, A-Force, and Ultimates obviously the main event. Main. Oh, and I guess here and there in, in Miss Marvel's as well. Yes, and you know that was kind of a, a heartbreak situation too. Yeah, that that was that that event was the schism between Kamala and Carol that just really broke my heart. That was not mended until years just later, recently. just very very recently. So, like I said, <laughs> it was definitely uh, not a favorite of mine. No, and you know the the event broke up a force you know made she hulk have you know a psychological break mm-hmm. it you know killed carol's love um <laughs> so there was all these things that you know dragged her through everything and then you know broke up friendships and stuff like that and you know i understand monumental things and it's good to have you know things to question you know right and wrong and get us to think about stuff but um, you know, some of the characters, I just, I felt it was a little too forced and too much. So, and the funny thing is at the end of the day, if, if someone were to just read, just read the civil war main book, which is mostly action and just like with, with a few confrontations here and there with their words at the end of the day, it's still Tony who did all the escalation. Pretty much. Yeah, it, it was still and she still kind of took a like the brunt of the back of the backlash for it. Now the interesting thing, if you read the very recent uh, Infinity Countdown, Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. um, there was the one panel that showed, or one little scene of what would have happened if she hadn't, you know, taken out Tony. He would have killed her, and um, so that was a, an interesting thing to see yeah that's that's definitely a what if story i probably would not have picked up um i i did impri- i don't know if you you read that infinity countdown yet. no I, I did i did but um i'm just saying like, um, if they you know sometimes well marvel used to do the whole like what if this happened like those issues oh, definitely. There. Like, if they ever did like what if this happened in civil war that, that would have been one i might have skipped well oh yeah definitely um but uh, i want to touch one more on that infinity countdown it was something i really appreciate is that every single version of Captain Marvel got a call out in that issue. So whether it was Carol or Monica or Marvel or, you know, and all versions, of Carol all versions too. and all the different versions of Carol, if she didn't stop drinking, if she didn't do this, if, you know, you know, she played this role instead of that role. And, and I thought that was really kind of a, a a nice homage to the history of the character. I gotta say, I was and I was super fascinated by those pages too, because not only is the art like gorgeous, but it's this like spider web of all of Carol and the possi- and the possibilities. Exactly. Yeah. Seeing the the drunk one was what killed me a little bit. So yeah, 
<laughs> so lastly, um, obviously the big thing that we're gearing up towards is uh, the movie, which finally comes out in, wow, in, in early March. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, if you had any thoughts to share about, uh, obviously Brie Larson cast it as a Captain Marvel. Oh, I've said this many times. I think she's awesome for the role. Mm-hmm. Um, not just, you know, she's a physically very nice looking woman and everything like that. So she fit, I mean, is able to hold the physical presence of this character that's badass. Um, but she has just a positive energy about her. And she kind of, you know, her message represents this character that she's chosen to portray. Um, and she's a time and again doing things to be a, a voice for people that don't have voices or to just be a hero in a way that's beyond a comic book or beyond a movie. Um, and when a character and their actor or actress can align with that, it's just poetic, you know, and it's something that's just really special to me. I'd say it is remarkable. Brie is, is basically, she is a soup. She's a real life superhero and she, she, she is. is, she is Carol Danvers in real life. She's an exceptional, <laughs> she's exceptionally well-spoken and an incredible ally and advocate to many marginalized people. And she, she is like personality wise. It's the greatest that I could ever have hoped for. Yeah, I, I agree. And she, it's really important uh, that especially for this character that you get the character and um, I remember when I was a kid occasionally I would see a movie and I would love the character and when you're a kid you kind of associate the character with the actor or actress playing them and but then they would the actor or actress would do something you know, beyond the movie or whatever that would get them in trouble with the law or they would, you know, so-and-so was taking OD on drugs or whatever the situation was. And it would just crush my heart. My right. hero just did something that was really bad. And, and there, so in that case, it would kind of almost shatter my image of the character as well as the actor. And, um, and but Brie being kind of in alignment with who Carol is, is just awesome and it's someone that you know i'll be proud that my daughter will, will have a chance to look up to her yeah like 20 years down the line i think i i truly believe brie is going to have an immense impact on a lot of children growing up especially little girls it's it's very it's very inspiring and heartwarming to see that she she is carol <laughs> absolutely just as you know linda carter was wonder woman mm -hmm. and she all these years later still represents the ideals that Wonder Woman represented. And so if we can move forward the timeline to Brie being that age, and if she's still doing that stuff, that's just an awesome legacy. So, right. Cause Brie is an actress. Uh, she was, she is a, is kind of a chameleon. Cause like a few years ago after watching room and just being like floored by her performance in it, I started looking back and all these other roles that I knew her from, but just I'm like, wow, that was her. That was her. And like she, she has this amazing ability to disappear into these roles and completely become another person. But is and go ahead. Oh, I would say uh, just just coming back to it. It does make me glad that while Carol, like I said, she she recently had said in an interview that playing Carol has she feels that she feels stronger playing Carol as well. Like it it, it inspires her in her own real life and how to act. That's cool. 
And it, and the chameleon thing is very relevant because it for me that separates there's two different types of actors. So you take uh take Ben Affleck playing Batman. Right. Now he he's a good actor, but I saw Ben Affleck playing Batman, not Batman. Right. Uh, and so I want to see the character through them. And um and it's it, Maybe it's just my mental perception, but I make a distinction when I just feel the character and I don't see the actor there. They're kind of synonymous at that point. Mm-hmm. So um, and I think that's really important for the best characters. I, say, I have, I have uh, definite high hopes for <laughs> for this movie, of course. Oh, I I don't need to have high hopes. It's going to be awesome. Right. I'm uh, I'm I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they they. They have everything put put together. They just hired a, the first female composer, I uh, saw that, that that Marvel has ever had, and like again, they're they're truly striving to be different, to be better, and like this this new phase of Marvel movies, it really shows a positive evolution of the of uh, the studio. I I agree, and you know that there's going to be certain subset of fandom who who's going to be driven nuts by that. But I think it's awesome. <laughs> um, and it's it's good. And she, in theory, can be a pivotal launching point to several other characters and or teams right. that spin off the Avengers. Because, yeah, my, my finger, I have fingers crossed for both A-Force and uh, Ultimates. I think, you know, uh, I feel like Ultimates is has potential. Um, A-Force definitely as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... So we have Black Panther, especially if they decide to keep the characters the same. Right. You know, sometimes they, they change things up, but they do try to take from what the material is. Um, there's belief that uh, my spec- speculation is that Monica Rambeau's mother is going to be in Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And that we might see a young Monica who would then be grown up when Carol returns to Avengers mm-hmm. you know, in the future. Um, and so that's three of the five characters that are in the Ultimates. So I'll say, right, is one of the characters that I would absolutely love to see in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, is Miss America Chavez. <laughs> I think she would have a huge following. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this would be a segue to introduce her to that as well. Um, I think they're going to... Obviously, they've made no uh, secret that eventually a Ms. Marvel is going to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we'll start seeing a younger generation start cropping up who will then one day carry their own titles. And yeah, these movies are going to have just a, a plethora of all different sorts of people being represented on screen. And mm-hmm. that's definitely something looking forward to because as far as, as, yeah, as far as like, let, let the, uh, Latinos and stuff on my end, the I don't have too many to look up to besides America Chavez, and maybe not Rob, yet. So hopefully, yeah. maybe yeah, Robbie, Robbie Reyes. Reyes. Mm-hmm. He was he was um, on, the, on the show on Agents of Shield. He was yeah, cool. and he he was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see that you know get more you know, push forward. So you know, this Sony movie you know, into the Spider Verse stuff will you know give you a little bit more about Miles. He's a potential character that could eventually come in. They're probably going to separate him and the current Spider-Man by age a little bit further, so they might right. wait. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just because they would be too close in age at this moment. Um, but but maybe not. He has become a popular. He has become a popular character. Um, his popular his popularity like soared from the very beginning. It was it was crazy. <laughs> it's it's weird which characters hit and which ones just don't kind of pick up the interest. Um, yeah, because Kamala Kamala Khan like from the get go, she was a superstar. Like from the like from her very first issue. Mm-hmm. And I think you know people underestimated what type of stuff people were hungry to read. There is a demographic that are younger readers, you know, teenage years, girls and girls and boys, but a lot of girls. Um, if you've paid attention to the DC superhero girls, um, and their numbers, especially their trade volumes, they, they measured a little differently. But they've sold over a hundred thousand trade of the DC superhero girls. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> so that's nothing to sneeze at. So right. I mean, so. yeah, that's that's a. Uh... That's over 50 percent of the population. That might be a, de- a demographic <laughs> that we might want to appease. Who knows? Exactly. Right, so. um, and they will grow up to then love these things the way I grew up loving these things. And I had to fight to find stuff that I read and the stuff that I watched. So right. if they have it available, and especially with people like me, who is a parent bringing up children, who will be able to enjoy this together and support it and have you know Halloween costumes and everything like that um to them this is going to be part of their normal you know pop culture and so it's not going to be embarrassing to say yeah I like so-and-so superhero Mm -hmm. when I was a kid I had to be careful when (laughs) I said stuff like that depending who I was around because some people just thought you were weird or didn't want to be around you <laughs> you know like something's wrong with that little girl you know stuff like that so i'm about to say yeah, like the first time i saw some like i saw someone like on twitter like post like their daughter's halloween costume as captain marvel i, I cried <laughs> and i'm gonna be like every, every like next year i'm gonna be like sobbing on halloween just all all day because there's gonna be so many just people I, i've started looking at the costumes for my daughter she's, she's oh, two yeah. and a half. <laughs> so she just hit two and a half today so <laughs> she's in that little you know cute range where i can oh. still dress up the way i want to <laughs> <laughs> um she knows who captain marvel is even though there are no toys and there's very few cartoons for her to watch that have captain marvel in them mm-hmm. she knows who she is we have posters on the wall and we have she she has my pop figure sometimes. <laughs> she, you know, when a toddler demands something, sometimes the toddler gets what they want. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so she knows who it is, and she's very you know she she does this little fist pump where she throws her fist in the air. She's like Captain Marvel, <laughs> and it's really cute. That's adorable. <laughs> so yeah, I guess uh, yeah, Carol's gonna be a, definitely uh, continuing to be a big figure in her life too. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, the more female characters I can get for her to show you know, just women can be strong. And I don't want her to after to ever have to second guess whether or not she can ask a question, you know, whether and it, it, you it's easy to underestimate how much the early influence uh, they have can affect how they are as an adult. So mm-hmm. when a woman is afraid to ask for a raise, it, that has to do with conditioning over many years of right. being afraid of what the answer is going to be or you know, being afraid of being too assertive. Having these mo- role models really early on and not being chastised for 
being upfront and asking questions and, you know, wanting to be strong, then that plays into the, you know, their long-term self-esteem, self-confidence and all that stuff. Honestly, hopefully that looks like a lot of, a lot of things uh, are changing for the better. And a lot of things I'm hoping, I'm really hoping are changing for the better, even though the optics on it seem not as, I guess, grim, but. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking certain aspects of our society, yeah, things (laughs) the greatest mm. but i have confidence in the generation that's you know right now the teenagers that are coming through mm-hmm. that are surviving these shootings and stuff they're becoming very active and very vocal i think they're going to be running things pretty soon and then the generation behind that that is seeing this change um is definitely going to kind of keep running with the you know, this you know, we're gonna do things right mentality, and that's that's my hope. Yeah, these are that's our, how I'm. Yeah, there are modern day uh, super, our modern day real life superheroes. Exactly. Alrighty, Lori. Well, I can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time to meet with me. I had an incredible time, and you 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 had a bunch of amazing stories, and your connection to Carol is fascinating. Well, thank you for having me. It was fun, you know, and uh, I don't do these podcasts all that often. So, but you know, it was great speaking to you. And obviously, I can geek out about Carol for hours and just start <laughs> rambling at that point. Right. Um, and yeah, I had a great time. Well, thank you. Um, if you if people want to like like find you or on like on Twitter or anything, do you have anything? Do you have a handle or something you'd like to share? Uh, my Twitter handle is, is my name, is at Lori Hyrup. So it's L-O-R-I-H-Y-R-U-P. I'm the only one in existence. So <laughs> shouldn't have trouble finding me. Perfect. Well, once again, th- thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.